Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're getting ready to go out. You want to get in the mood. There's a playlist for that. You move to the beat. You trip over the dog. You're not dancing anymore. You open the Medibank app and find a physio. We live in an on-demand world. And now your health insurance comes on demand too. Download the new Medibank app today. Away from Tigerland, a fighting fury. We're from Tigerland. In any weather, you will see us with a grin. G'day everyone and welcome to the first edition of Tiger Tragics, the podcast here on 1116 SEN that is unashamedly all about Richmond uh, and most Richmond fans I think can attest to the fact that they are all Tiger Tragics. My name is Mitchell Scott, I produce the run home and do a little bit around the trap. You might know me as the whipping boy. Sitting opposite me is Carl Bianco. G'day Carl. G'day Mitchell. We know Carl from uh, being the the man behind Evenings with Finey at the moment and uh, we'll be introducing Tony Shebeki into the podcast a little bit later as well. He'll be on the uh, on the show each week. Um, as we basically talk all things Richmond, good and bad and ugly mm. and we, you know, we don't, I suppose we don't really want to give a... Um, you know, we're not here to cheerlead. We're not here to just criticise for the sake of it. We're just here to speak on behalf of the, of all the Tiger Tragics everywhere. Yep. Um, we picked a doozy of a week to to start. We were five and zip, and uh, I had to cancel the marching band. Yeah, which I'm I'd not. Booked. I'm not overly <laughs> disappointed though. I'm not disappointed. This is probably the first time that we've had it a, or well, it's the first time in a long time we've had a start like this to the year where we're five one after six rounds. So, if we had it been two four. Then I'd be shattered. Then yep. I'd be like, right, okay, we've just lost to Adelaide by 76 points mm. and it's not looking good for us. But we're 5-1. We're in the top four. It's six rounds who, in. And who thought that going into the start of the year? <laughs> who who knows what to think about Richmond anymore? But I'm satisfied so far. I'm, it's only early days, but to be 5-1 after six rounds, it's something to be... Somewhat happy about, I think. Well, we're quarter of the way into the season already. It's kind of gone that quickly. Yeah, well, think about it. If we had had four wins and two losses on the board, you only really need about 12 or 13 wins to make the eight. So, realistically, we're only we're a quarter of the way already. And, uh, you know, we've got a couple of weeks ahead of us. We've got the Bulldogs this week, and we'll yep. get to that a little bit later in the yep. show when we talk about... Uh, and then Curvis might not be playing from the looks of it. So we'll get, mm. we'll get to that a little bit later. And uh, Fremantle and I think GWS the week after that. So yep. big tests, big tests. Before we got started, before we get started, I wanted to get to know uh, you, Carl, as a Richmond supporter. And I want to yep. sort of let our listeners in on being Tiger Tragics and how we got to this position. And um, tell us your story about being a Tiger Tragic, Carl. I was born into a family of Richmond supporters. So it wasn't like I had a choice. I was a Richmond supporter as soon as I was born. And I, I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't have a say in it, to be honest. But I'm, I couldn't be happier of the uh, decision in the end. And, uh, yeah, it's been a tradition, the Bianco tradition, to support Richmond for uh, many decades now. So been uh, Richmond tragic for uh, for quite some time now. So how many finals wins have you seen? Only the one, 2001. <laughs> I'm but the same. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're the same, yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. Who was your favourite player growing up? Richo. Yeah. Without a doubt. We all love Richo. I just love Richo. He was my idol. And then uh, one family day, I managed to be the last person to get his signature. And oh, yeah. it was just like, 
Life made. <laughs> I got your signature on my top. That's it. Done. Beautiful. And who's your favourite player now? Well, that's a tough question. If it had been, if you had asked me last year, I would have still said Lids. And yeah. then now that he's departed, I mean, it's hard to go past Dusty and what he can do. You know, just last week against Melbourne, he was injured. Well, we thought he was injured anyway, and then all of a sudden he still gets 32 and I think kicks two goals. In that last quarter, he really turned it on. He really turned on when the game was there to be won. And I think that's a really important thing about what Richmond is actually doing this year is that when the game has been there in the clinches, there's been a lot of games that have been won in that last quarter, Mm. and our superstars have been standing up. Cochin is back to his, his Brownlow Brownlow medal winning form, really, yeah, which we, yep. we've covered. Dusty's doing his thing and in Brownlow contention this year. Jack Rewalt's kicking goals when we need him. Not yes, yep. not yesterday, unfortunately. We'll get we'll no. get to that shortly. Um, my story is probably a little bit of a different path to yours. I wasn't born into a Richmond family. I chose the Richmond path, right. which a lot of people would go, "Why the hell would you do that? <laughs> Why would you do that?" Particularly given I was born into a Bulldogs family, right? And for my first sort of three years, I suppose, as a football supporter. Yep. I, that's that's what I was doing. Mm. And then I went to the football one day. Round seven, I think it might have been, 1996, it was Mother's Day. Yep. Richmond played the Western Bulldogs at the MCG. It was a cold, rainy day. I was into my grunge music. I loved Nirvana. <laughs> and then out walks this bloke named Matthew Richardson with long rock star hair. He yep. was six foot four, six foot five, and he's just clunking these marks, kicking goals. He was a rock star. Yeah. And they had this big song and this really, really loud crowd. They'd made finals and won finals the year before, made it to a prelim. Mm. And I, I'd been, you know, I suppose you don't want to let the schoolyard dictate a little bit of what you do. But I'm, a, I'm from an eastern suburbs boy from out in the outer, outer east. And there's not many Bulldog supporters out there. There's a lot of Essendon supporters who, you know, at that time they were all on board the Baby Bombers train. So they were getting into, why would you follow the Bulldogs there, crap? Yeah. <laughs> and I joke about it now with Terry Wallace every time he comes in here at SEN that I go, you know, I jump ship when you got on board. Yep. So I jumped ship to Richmond immediately and sure enough, they came ninth that year and I, and that, uh, I suppose, started the the Tiger tragic tale of what we've all come to, to know yep. um, over the years that we just fall short and we're just getting there and it's not quite yep. enough. Richo was my favourite player growing up, just like you, as yep. a lot of people, I'm sure. Yep. And I remember queuing up outside What's New Remember what's new? But it was like a sort of uh, they sold calendars and little tidbits yeah. and gifts and yep. some stuff uh, at Knox City, uh, and he was there signing calendars of the men for all seasons. <laughs> so there was there was a really mixed mixed crowd. There was kids who were you know my age, and under, and then there was like you know eighteen to twenty five year old women oh, who were just who were lusting after Richo and yep. You know, so there I there I am getting my jumper sign. Meanwhile, the next person's up got the calendar out with his mm. with with the rig out. Yep. Um, right now. I'd say my favourite would I look I I've got a really soft spot for Jack. Yeah. I, I you know at one point there I thought he might end up being the better rewalt out of the two of them there. Mm. I, I don't think that's the case now, but I yep. absolutely love the bloke. Yep. Um he it's been a travesty I think that he hasn't been in that leadership group for the last few years. He gives his heart and soul uh to everything that he does on that football field. Um I thought he was a he was a genuine candidate to be captain this year. Yep. Um and every time he goes out there, I just I love seeing what he does. And like last week against Melbourne, on the big stage, I was sitting there with Oxy getting stuck into him, and um, oh, it was brilliant. I, yeah. lo- I just I love Jack. I love Jack. Now, time to say good day now to our third member of the panel who uh, be in with us every week uh, moving forward. He's uh, a very well known voice around here on SEN. He is a Tiger tragic. He is the voice of the G, which is the home of the Richmond Football Club. Yeah, I speak, of course, of Tony Shebeki, the Shebekster. G'day, Shebeks. 
Hello, Mitch and Carl. Yes, very much a Tiger tragic. Uh, 50 years I celebrate my Tiger tragedy uh, this year. So uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. Well, so since birth, you've been brought right in. Since birth, yep, without a doubt, it was a family thing. Dad followed Richmond, my uncle, uh, Uncle Tony. Everyone needs an Uncle Tony, don't they? <laughs> he, was a, he was very much a Richmond man, lived in Richmond, owned property in Richmond and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, very much I had no choice but to be a Tiger man and very, very proud to be a Tiger man. Well, at least I was up until 1982. Well, between Carl and myself, we've only seen one... Richmond finals win. We were yep. just discussing before when in, uh, in in two thousand and one. So you've you've at least a, bit, a little bit of an uh, an older generation. You've had some finals experience where you've seen some some success. I've had a premiership experience. I was there at the two thousand the nineteen eighty grand final where we beat Collingwood by eighty one points, a then record margin in the uh, VFL in a grand final win. Jeez, were you doing and the voiceovers I'll... then? Were you? <laughs> no, no, no. Started. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I got the idea from. Uh, ah. I was there with uh, Dad and, and my brother, and uh, we were standing up at the Ponsford uh, end, which was our standing room for the grand final, and got to see KB do his magic and, and all those things. So, yeah, I'm probably one of the – well, I am the only one of the three of us that has actually seen Richmond win a premiership. That's a, that's a somewhat depressing to know here in Target Tragic, since that's, that's the sort of situation we find. Who's, who were your favourite players growing up, and who, who do you sort of, whenever you go to see a Richmond game now, do you want to see the most? Who do you keep your eye out for? Well, sort of through my early years, Francis Burke was probably my favourite player, and that was due to the fact that he actually went to Assumption College with my father. Ah. So they were, uh, they were teammates in the, the first at Assumption. So I uh, sort of liked Francis Burke. And then as I got a little bit older, I think my, uh, my loyalties went towards Michael Roach, our, uh, our great full forward, just loved the way, because I was a full forward as a, a junior and uh, coming up through until seniors, and then I became a full back. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, probably Michael Roach would have to be my favourite player, I think, out of all the Richmond players that I've uh, enjoyed watching. Took some hangers over the years, Roachy, didn't he? He did. Now, tell me, I could be wrong here. Now, I believe your son had a Richmond VFL connection at one point. Was that right? He did. Played uh, four games with Richmond, four or five games with the Tigers in the VFL uh, two years ago. So, uh, that, uh, tell you what, you was you talk about proud moments. How good a moment was that when uh, that uh, when my son ran out in the putt road? Oh, I can and, imagine uh, with a Richmond jump rod. Boy, oh boy. Now, what would you say? And I'll put this question to Carl as well, and I, and I suppose I'll have my say as well. How would you summarise the experience of being a Tiger tragic? Oh, it's uh, I don't know what it is. It's sort of similar to. Uh, What's well, what's that thing where you like where you hurt yourself all the time? I don't know. <laughs> I'll give you this answer again. I'm trying to think. What yeah. a masochist? That's the word I'm looking. A masochist? For. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just know. You just know at the moment that you know Richmond. They're either going to finish ninth or they're going to be in the finals and not win a final. And we just keep coming back each year, just hoping that that's not going to be the same. But we probably deep down know that that is going to be. The situation, and even even going into this year, I mean, this year, I just had no expectations on the guys at all, and and the fact that we've won, you know, our first uh, five first four games and had lost uh, to Adelaide, and I'm sure we'll discuss that shortly. But 
I'm nonplussed about it because I, I, you just feel that something might go wrong. I'm, I'm not going to get excited until like round 20 or 21. So the lid's not off for you. Here into the eight, and I know that we're definitely going to be there. The, the, the amount of talk last week when we, when we did go to five and zip and everyone was talking, the lid's off, the lid's off. Richmond supporters were at a pain to keep it down. Yeah, like, exactly. We were, we, I think there was everyone else external to Richmond was, was saying, oh, the lid's off, the lid's off. <laughs> the, 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 we've, the, the lid will be on until we, we're on the podium ho- hoisting the bloody pre- Premiership Cup, exactly. as far as I'm concerned. Yep, spot on. Carl, how would you summarise it, being a, 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 the experience of being a Tiger tragic? Well, I would say personally, just like Shebeck said, hope is the best word to describe <laughs> in the lead-up, the pre-season and the lead-up to the next season for uh, the Tigers. In relation but to this no, year... There's no expectations, is there, Carl? You, you no. don't go into a year with any expectations. Not at all, because we could finish fourth, we could finish 18th. We just don't know. We yeah. don't know what to expect. We want to, we're always uh, optimistic, though, and I was certainly optimistic knowing that we had Prestia, Caddy, and Nankervis as inclusions in our side for this season in particular. In past seasons as well, there have been a bunch of signings that I've thought, oh, yeah, certainly going to be optimistic, and then we've ended up finishing 12th or thereabouts. So or in our traditional position of ninth that we've sort of claimed in, in recent years as well. So I was optimistic when we recruited Richard Tambling ahead of Lance Franklin. <laughs> and I was optimistic when we recruited Aaron Fiora ahead of Matthew Pavlich. Yep. And I was, optimi- I was optimistic in hindsight when we recruited Reese Conker ahead of Dyson Heppel and Tom Lynch. Yep. You see, this is that <laughs> side of us that I was talking about. We just... <laughs> It's so easy to be a rich. It's so easy to be a Richmond cynic, isn't it? Because we just every time we think we're on the cusp, we just get ripped out again. It's just, (laughs) it's bloody tragic. That's why we're Tiger Tragics. Um, But we love it, and I think that's the enduring thing of it all. Is we keep coming back, as you said, Shebex. We keep coming back every year for more, um, even though we know that there's something's going to go wrong at some point. Um, You know, whether it might be a Richmond board upheaval or. Um, a bit of noise there, Shabix. Oh, sorry, I just uh, stepped out from where I was. That's all right. So, uh, just to work at the moment. So no worries. I, I uh, thought I heard people chanting the Richmond song in the yeah. background there for a little while. I was getting a bit excited. Uh, not after yesterday. Well, that's, that, that's probably a good segue into yesterday. So, we, the Richmond, uh, the Tigers did experience their first loss of the season, going down to Adelaide 21 14, 140 to 10 4 64. So, a 76 point shellacking. Probably could have been uglier than that. Uh, two goals to Jack Rewalt, two goals to Oleg Markov, and two goals to Daniel Rioli. Cochin was the leading disposal winner for the Tigers, also had, with 26, also had six clearances. Uh, Dusty had his usual 25 and seven clearances, did hit the scoreboard with a goal. But uh, it was sort of a tale of one quarter and three quarters, really. Uh, Carl, how did you see it? Well, again, I was optimistic. Uh, The first quarter, we certainly matched Adelaide. And I don't know what happened. We just went quiet after the first quarter. Uh, Rioli showed some positive signs in the first quarter as well, kicked a couple of goals. And how did he take that mark? Oh, that one in the goal screen. Yeah, how did he take that? That That was a cracker. Blokes around him, yeah. Did really well to come out with that. It was it was as if um I don't I just got this sense that like Adelaide maybe thought the we we played at our absolute optimum in that first quarter and Adelaide were just sort of going and it looked like it might have been a bit of a shootout and then at quarter time um, within about ten minutes of the second quarter you just got a sense that Adelaide was gonna uh, just wrestle it away from us and pretty quickly in the end I mean what, yep. what was it three and a half four goals at half time yep um, it could have been more than that they they missed a few we barely our inside fifties dried up massively mm. um, they were first at every contest Rory Sloan really started to influence I thought Sam Jacobs was really good for Adelaide yep. and then 
Curvis probably yeah. didn't have the influence that he's had in recent weeks. And mm. um, and even across the back line, there was Rance and um, and Rance did his usual thing, but Asprey probably got shown up for the first time this year with Taylor Walker playing outstanding. And um, it was it was a real lesson for Richmond from quarter time onwards. And um, and I actually I got the feeling actually going through it that we we looked a little bit like we did last year come that third quarter where. Last year, we didn't really have that. We had that slow, stagnant game plan. We couldn't get our run going. Jack Rewalt kept having to come up to sort of the, the half-back line to get his hands on the ball, which was our big fault last year, and we've been, something we've been steering away from this year. And um, Jack had to come up a lot to get, to get his hands on the ball, and we just didn't have that run and overlap that we've had all year um, with the leg speed to, to really open up and exploit Adelaide. They just put, would turn over, force the turnover. Their pressure was great, and they'd force it back off. So I'm... Um, I'm personally not as as uh, pessimistic as some have been today. I've heard on the talkback lines coming in here. Mm. Well, I think um, I think it was just uh, probably a reality check that was needed. It is hard to be pessimistic over that uh, game yesterday. I mean, let, let's put it into context. Adelaide are by far the best team in the AFL at this point in time. I mean, they've beaten GWS and they've beaten Richmond, who are the only uh, who are you know two teams, and everyone says that GWS is going to win the grand final anyway. So they, they by far, are the best team in the AFL. We kept with them in the first quarter. We did pretty well, actually, in the first quarter, and there was hope. And uh, once again, you know, the thought that maybe something might come out of this. But then Adelaide turned gear and they put pressure. And what what seemed to have happened in the past few years with our defenders, and it happened yesterday, was once there's a bit of pressure on Mm -hmm. our defence, our defence just seems to just crumble and make the the wrong option sometimes yep. handballs that should probably be you know should have been kicks maybe three seconds beforehand they hold on the ball a little bit longer handballs get turnovers and the like and that seems to have been an issue with the tigers for the last few years and adelaide exploited that i, I would have thought yesterday from that second quarter onwards when our defenders had the ball they ganged them they had two or three guys come and attack our defenders and at the end of the day they just made some bad options balls were turned over and adelaide did what they had to do and they did it well. Yep. The first quarter was good. Moving into the second quarter, I thought, you know, Rance probably should have gone on to walk on. I, I yeah. think that's probably the best thing that should have happened because Rance is obviously an All-Australian fullback and we really needed somebody like him to be teaming up on Walker. But then, even if it was the case, I still think that, you know, Eddie Betts could have ran three and kicked ran free and kicked more goals um, depending on who was on him he didn't kick his 500th nor did Jack yesterday no. so that's a, I guess a positive from a Richmond perspective we didn't let Betts kick his 500th against us so I think a couple of things came out of it for me from a I suppose a, an optimistic sense is that that was only I mean we, we, it was a 76 point shellacking but that was Adelaide's fourth highest score of the year mm. Mm. they've had they, they have been putting on scores of 160 plus with ease, yep. and yeah, we didn't probably hit the scoreboard because I know they've averaged around about ninety points conceded Adelaide each each game this year. We've only hit the sixty four, um, but they could have it could have been it could have been really ugly, but it really didn't uh, didn't go that way. A question yeah. I wanted to pose to you both: um, Steve Morris's selection, uh, Gary Lyon this morning uh, here on SEM was critical of that and said it was probably Hardwick's first mistake of the year. Yep. Um, and then he's been backing the kids in all year. You know, we've seen Butler and Castagna come mm. in and do great things yep. and Rioli's continuing to improve and um, and then he's gone back to the well with Steve Morris. I, my, the way I saw it is he, he had a clear game plan to try and pressure and run 
um, and beat Adelaide that way because we went in with the one Ruckman. Mm. Um, we were going to use our smalls to our advantage. Clearly didn't work. Yep. Um, but do you see it as a bit of a backward step to be going back to these sort of guys? I know he's coming off a knee injury and it was his first game in 12 months, but is that do we need to be putting a line through those sort of guys like, like Steve Morris and Taylor Hunt? No, at the end of the day, Mitch, you've got 44 blokes on your list and you've got the availability to use those 44 blokes where you need to use them. Now, if Hardwick saw that there was a purpose for Morris to be in that team, then who are we to argue? It it may not have worked, but at the time, there was the decision that he was going to do a job or he was going to have a reason that he was going to be in that team. You've got to give blokes an opportunity. I mean, you can't just keep guys languishing in the VFL and then expect them to come up in round 17 or 18, three or four weeks before finals, and expect them to come up because you've got a couple of injuries. Guys have to be playing senior football when the opportunity arises, and it was there for Morris. Got no issues with that. What do you think, Carl? Again, it's a tough one because whether or not Morris was 100% in the lead-up to the game is another question to be asked as well. And I don't think... That's a different thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, it is a different thing. But, I mean, you know, you don't really want to have a player in your best 22 if you're not 100% certain on their fitness. Okay, if they're a standout like Dustin Martin, then that's an exception. And then you pose a risk of obviously playing him in your best 22. But Morris, I... do you, think, do you think Morris is in our best 22? No. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm sorry. No, no disrespect no, towards Morris. I, I think he's a great bloke and, and he's been a great player for, for Richmond and still has a lot of potential in the years to come. But I think we probably could have used a player like Lloyd yesterday. Yeah. Um, he played in the VFL and kicked four goals in a loss against Port Melbourne. So I think it was disappointing that Richmond overlooked him. I think we really could have used, you know, a uh, a goal to save us around about that second quarter. If he had to kick the goal or two, if he was in the best 22 against Adelaide, it could have came to our advantage. It could have sparked something for us. Particularly in that second quarter where yeah. the tide was going against us and we just needed to find something. Um, our, the, the Castagna and Butler weren't really generating no. that. I think Rioli was playing with a bit of an ankle injury after mm. that, he, that he did suffer in that first yep. quarter. Um, Reese Conker, actually, I reckon, might have been running the game out on one leg as well. I know that yep. some of the commentary was saying no injuries, but I reckon he was running on one leg. Yep. Um, that might be an exercise we might do next week, actually. If we all pick our best 22s, mm. From the list and just see how that how it all matches up. Um, one player who I don't sorry, Shabix. I was going to say, it's just just on this. I mean, Richmond losing yesterday, and I agree with you. Let's not just jump off and say, oh, that's it, season over. I mean, let's take this as a lesson for the guys. This is one. I think this was a sliding doors match for Richmond. Had we have won this game, we go six and zero, and all of a sudden it's you know, are, are we better than what we actually are? This is this was an opportunity yesterday. For us, just maybe to have a little bit of a reality check and, and the guys to realise that we still have a hell of a lot of work to do if we're going to be successful this season. Okay. Had we have won that game, maybe that thought isn't in their head. Maybe they're thinking, well, hang on, we're not too bad here. This isn't bad. We've beaten the best team in the comp. I, I don't see it as being a really bad thing. I couldn't agree with you more, Shebex. I think... Um, particularly being such a young side now, that the propensity to get ahead of yourself really quickly uh, for the sake of actually, you know, getting a couple of results that might, might have come as a surprise out of the uh, the back end of the season uh, is is really important to uh, to actually just make sure that you come back in, take stock. Where can we improve? Where can we keep yeah. going? And we've got the Bulldogs this week, the reigning premiers, who you know up until last week against GWS, I know they were um I know they were they they, they got done, but they, they probably found their their stride for the first time this year. So it's another big test for us. One player who probably won't be there. 
I think is uh, Toby Nankervis. We love we love the widow maker here in Richmond this year. He's probably been our <laughs> our best recruit. I yep. think out of the out of the three, he yeah. stood up the most. Uh, he had a stray elbow. Uh, was it the third quarter? I think on on an Adelaide midfielder who held his tackle a little bit too long, threw the elbow back, got him flush in the in the mush. Uh, could be anywhere between careless and low impact to intentional and medium impact. So he's probably looking at he's probably looking at a weak medium in yeah. in all that. Who do we who do we now? Sean Hampson is uh, on the long term injury yep. list, so he's not. And he's in fact I read over the weekend he's unlikely to play this year. Ben Griffiths is being um, is being rested uh, with his concussion issues for quite a while. Who do we see coming in? Todd, El- Todd Elton was dropped for this game, but is, is he a number one ruckman? I probably no, don't think so. No. So our options for the ruck, I'd like to get your thoughts because with there's Ivan, there's Ivan Marich still on the list, but he probably doesn't have the legs that he used to, to get that travel around the ground. Mm. There's his coven, Ivan Soldo, and he might, he'd have to be upgraded from the rookie list. And even there's uh, Mabiel Chol, who is not really a ruckman himself either, but he is tall and he can jump. So what do you think? Who comes in? Well, with those rookies, I mean, if we got anyone that we got on the long-term injury list that we can replace with the rookies, I suppose that's the. I think when Hampson went on, I don't think he came no, off. But and the other one, I think I, I think Griffith is an option to go on the long-term injury yep. list, given he's probably going to have a spell for a while. Mm. Yeah, well, if that's a chance, if that's a chance, then uh, you probably uh, my thought would be Joel probably comes in and you give him the opportunity. He showed a little bit last year in the in the couple of opportunities that he did get when we saw him. So. You know, especially pre-season wise, you've got to you've got to go with your kids, don't you? If you've got no other option, we've got the same sort of situation as Melbourne, haven't we? In regards yeah. to that ruck situation, I mean, the only, the only other thing is you bring Marich in just to at least give you some sort of contest in the centre, and then you know try and get someone to cover him. Basically, just get Marich to drop back to a centre half back position and be an extra back, yeah. and then get someone to cover him around the ground. But uh, it, it is a tough one. Yeah, I think that you you need to get somebody that's got a sort of a bigger build to match the other ruckman of the competition. So I think that it would probably be a big a good chance to give Soldo a go as, as a ruckman because he is young. And if we have to promote him to the senior list mm-hmm. to provide him with that opportunity, I think it's worth taking a risk on. I think Marich is a little bit past it. He's, again, been a great servant to the club. If he did come in, which I think Hardwick will probably most likely go with, uh, then he, he will have to be on his A game, I think, because we are playing the Bulldogs. I, uh, it's funny. I, I don't think we'd recognise Ivan if he came in because he's got no. rid of the mullet. It's yeah. gone. <laughs> Big Ivan. He, he just he might have a bit like Samson. He might have lost his locks and lost all his power. <laughs> it's in, it is interesting because the ruck. We don't really know what we're getting out of the ruck contest with the with the Bulldogs yet. It's Tom Boyd will either be full time or part time in yep. there if Tom Campbell, who was a late withdrawal last Friday, comes up. Yep. Um, and if Tom Campbell comes in, then I suppose we probably have to be a little bit more vigilant with it. But if it's Tom Boyd, I mean, he, he yeah. his best and worst as a ruckman is is pretty. Far apart, so you probably can take a risk with some, with someone young and blood them, and um, and maybe then Todd Elton comes back in as the second backup yeah. because I, yep. that was probably the one thing I took out of yesterday. Is I don't think Sean Grigg is is just can can play that Jack Watts type second ruck role. He, he hasn't got the height, he hasn't got the leap. He's just got to provide a body there. And by the end of the by the end, the end of the third quarter, when he was in the ruck contest, he was just standing there and roving it. That's yeah. what it, that's all he was doing. Yeah, I suppose at the end of the day, it all comes down to what uh, Toby makes me nervous. Gets. 
possibly from the uh, the next week or two. Yeah, which we'll, uh, we'll have... Sorry if you didn't catch that. That's my nickname for him as well, especially when he's in front of goal. <laughs> makes me very nervous. What, Nankervis makes you nervous in front of goal? Uh, without it, yep, he does. I was actually more nervous when Hampson took a mark outside 50 and attempted to kick at goal, more so than Nankervis. I think he's got a, a better uh, kick for goal, Nankervis, than uh, Hampson. But that's just my opinion. It, it, probably, it probably brings a, a good point. I mean, we don't know... We, we think Hampson's going to miss a fair chunk of the season, but if he does come back in, I mean, Nankervis has got the mobility to go around and around. He's basically another midfielder. He's basically a ruck rover um, who takes the ruck contest, and he's, yeah. got, he's got mobility. He's actually got some good lateral movement. If you know, if Hampson comes back in and plays, you know the the, the, the first ruck rule, Nankervis can be that that Nick Rewalt type runner who who goes into the midfield, who's got the height, who's got the body, who, you know, clearly he's a, he's a good pressure player. Yeah. Um, but it may be a bit like you know, I don't, he's nicknamed the, to, the the widow maker by some people because he just loves to get physical and maybe a bit like Toby Green. We're, we're probably going to see this where he's we are going to see the odd indiscretion where he he does flatten someone or he does throw an elbow out and we, um, we you know we like to play on the edge a little bit because that's what that's what gets your team up and about and I think when uh, when when your team is playing on that edge uh, we've seen a bit more of it from Richmond this year it's uh, we, we sort of get up and about. Shay Mumford's a good example of that for the GWS, isn't he? Though he's a, a sort of bloke that has that weight, he's 140 kilos, whatever he is, and he uses it to his team's advantage. Sometimes it's not going to work for him. And that's probably going to be the case this week where he's going to get, one would think, probably weeks for that liberatory tackle. But, uh, you know, you need those sort of big blokes to have their presence to actually throw their weight around in the packs. Bloody oath, bloody oath. Just before we let you go, Shebex, I just wanted to touch on a couple of, uh, of, of some of the off-season issues, I guess, that have uh, brought up from Richmond that we haven't had a chance to because we're starting six weeks in. But um, the captaincy, the fact that Trent Cochin kept the captaincy and Jack and Alex uh, were the vi- joint vice-captains, and that's it. We've reduced the, the, the leadership group uh, right down. What do you think? Pretty much a traditionalist, Mitch, so I'm happy with that. I'm happy with just having, you know, a a two- or three-person leadership group, a captain, a vice-captain, a deputy vice, whatever you look at. I think it just... It, if you've got too many people in there, there's too many heads and it just muddies the water. I think if you've got, you know, your three most senior experienced blokes and they're the guys that should be your, your natural leaders anyway, you know, guys who have only been playing for a year or two shouldn't be in a leadership group because they're still getting their head around a football club, let alone having to make decisions on players who may be more experienced. Could you imagine a young kid at Hawthorne and they've, they've got a couple of younger boys on the leadership group there who have had four or five years experience having to make decisions on Luke Hodge yeah. at the start of the season. I mean, what, what sort of pressure does that put on a kid? Get your senior blokes to be your leadership group. End of story. Tigers have done that well. What do you think, Cal? Yeah, I agree, Shebex. I think you don't have to be in the leadership group to actually show leadership qualities as well. Uh, you know, we've seen that through Rioli when we needed somebody to step up and kick a goal uh, through the past six weeks. In some areas, you know, he's he's kicked a few goals that have come out of nowhere and really sparked our drive in the last quarter to get the fourth quarter done and finished and record the win. Uh, and I think it is good to see Jack back as a vice-captain as well. I think it's uh, a long time in the making to actually getting back inside that leadership group and the fact that we've got uh, three core leaders that can represent us as captain and two vice-captains is the best way to go about it. For one minute, I thought Jack had imposed himself on a, uh, a self-imposed uh, uh, captaincy band as well. <laughs> a couple of years ago, but no, good to see him back on board. Well, he's got his mic key topped up and he's ready to go. At least he's not running from <laughs> running from the media anymore. Just on um, Daniel Rioli, you mentioned him uh, before, Carl. Yep. 
this might be blasphemy, really. The Hawthorne, I hope there's, there's probably not any Hawthorne supporters listening to this. I'm going to say it for you. He is the best of the Riolis at the moment. There you go. Yep. Agreed. With, with that, at the moment, yeah. uh, he is just absolutely down and out the better of the two. Yep. Tyrrell, unfortunately, I don't know whether he's injured, what's happening there, but he's had a shocking year this year. Come, um, come end of his career... Could he be remembered as the better of the of the of Cyril and Daniel of the two cousins? Mm. One oh, one four geez. flags. It's a bit hard. It's a, it's a big yeah. ask. Yeah, let's not put too much pressure on the kid. He's we haven't won a final yet. <laughs> uh, if, he's, if he's half as good as Morris, I'll be pretty happy. Yeah. Yep. But no, look, he, he's he's going to be he's going to be an effective player for Richmond for many years. Have no issues with that. Will he be as good as Morris? Will he be as good as Cyril? Time will tell, but uh, let's not start making any predictions on that one. Let the kid just run his race, and uh, at the moment he's doing a very good job. But clearly, at, at this point in time in the season, the better of the two, hands down. Once he played 20 games, he's got a long, long career ahead of him. Um, just before I let you go, Shebex, the, the last thing I just put, point I wanted to make, yesterday was probably the first time uh, for this season where our small forwards uh, our small forwards set up. They fired in the first quarter, but after that they couldn't fire a bullet. We didn't really have a plan B. Um, is is this the first sort of poor coaching performance we've seen of Damien Hardwick this year? Or, um, uh, look, I'll put it more probably to the coaching of Adelaide. I think uh, from my read and what I saw yesterday, and let's remember too, I was at the MCG with uh, Geelong and Collingwood, so I was only sort of watching it on the TV out of the core of my eye, but when something happened in Geelong Collingwood, I had to do what I had to do. So, But my read on it is is that Adelaide and Richmond have both gone out at the start of this game. Let's just let the boys play and see what happens. And that's the way it sort of seemed. And Richmond, due to that, had a little bit of an upper hand. Adelaide didn't have as much structure as they would have liked, I think, in the first quarter. And then at quarter time, Adelaide made some you know, serious changes to, their, to their, the way they went about things and as a result went forward. So I think they planned well. They did have a plan B ready to go and uh, that, yeah, that sort of jumped into, into play for them and uh, from there on they went well. So I'm not 100% sure it was Hardwick's issue in regards to the way our small forwards play. I think Adelaide just had them covered. Yep. I think that might be the um the the issue that come come round sixteen round seventeen, uh, if 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 teams are using that game of Adelaide's as the blueprint of how to how to beat that Richmond that Richmond uh, setup, um, we will have to come up with something. But we've got what tw- 16, week, 16, 17 weeks of the season left to do that, and uh, and we look forward to talking about it with you every week, Shebex. Thank you very much for joining us today, and we'll uh, we'll catch you in the studio next week. Pleasure, guys. Look forward to it. On you, Shebex. Tony Shebeki there. Now, before we sort of wrap up today, Carl, uh, let's have a look ahead. Saturday night, 7.25, Richmond versus the Western Bulldogs, Etihad Stadium. They've had our measure the last few years, um, ever since I think Luke Beveridge has basically been in the job, and maybe the last year of Brendan McCartney's tenure. We were, we, at one stage, yeah, we were flogging them by 10 goals every year. Didn't yep. matter who was who on the ladder. Mm. Now that's very much swung. The, the, the defending premiers, they've finally got their mojo back. Uh, what are you expecting? Oh, it's a good question. We're both kind of on the rebound because we both recorded losses last week. Obviously, Bulldogs... And to, and to quality opposition as yeah, well. Yeah, as well. Bulldogs narrowly to GWS in Canberra and, of course, us yesterday to Adelaide in Adelaide. I think it's going to be a good contest, closer than what a lot of people are thinking. People are probably going to go the way of the Bulldogs based off their grand final win last year. But I think if we bring our... Uh, our best 22, obviously, probably minus Nan Curvis, all depending on uh, what happens with the MRP. But uh, if if Jack steps up, kicks a few goals, just like he did against Melbourne, 
maybe three or four. That'd be nice. A little handful. Rioli <laughs> kicks a couple. Um, I'd like to see Lloyd back in the 22 as well. Yeah, I th- I, it's interesting because he's he's been left out clearly because they've, they're backing in the likes of Castagna and Butler. Yeah. And they could, because they, I think they've got that leg speed. But... As we saw yesterday, because they can get found wanting. Yeah, they don't have. Sam Lloyd has has X factor. There's just I think he, so, yeah. he can find a goal when you when you don't when you when you when the play's going all the other way and you need to find one. He he can kick goals under pressure. We saw that last year against yep. Sydney when he yep. kicked it after oh. the siren. He can kick him from all angles. Yep. He can play tall. He can take a good overhead mark. Yeah. Um, even if it's just on the bench, I wonder if the you know particularly maybe someone like Reese Conker might might have to come out because of because of injury. Yep. If Daniel Rioli doesn't come up, like, there's actually even a, a, an MRP potential incident with Rioli as well for a bump that he laid possibly yeah um, in the second quarter there as a shepherd that he may have got. Uh, the Adelaide player high. I think it was Crouch. I could be wrong there. They'll tweet in and correct yeah, me if, sure. I'm, if I'm wrong. Yeah. So he there might be a force change there, in which case I'm, I'd like to think Sam Lloyd comes straight back in. Yeah. Um, it's it, I'm I'm not as optimistic as I might have been two weeks ago, but I think we'll I think we'll really run them. I think so too. The only other question I pose, and a lot of talk back uh, last night on Finney's final siren was to do with uh, Prestia and whether or not he's a hundred percent, and if he's not a hundred percent, do we bring Miles in? Yeah, I I like I like Anthony Miles. Yeah. I think he's he's a ball magnet in the inside contest. And particularly against the Bulldogs, that's what you need. You need guys to go in there and get it, and who can use the ball cleanly, getting it out to to those runners who are now using the ball yep. well. Yep. Um, Dion Prestia, for mine, Dion Prestia, I don't, I haven't seen him take a game by the scruff of the neck yet. No. And he, I know there was some uh, some word going around a couple of weeks back that he was, I think, leading into the Brisbane game that he was a bit sore. Yep. Yep, and, and and it's not because I don't think he's a great player. As I said, I speak highly of the guy, and I, I think that it, he was a great addition to our mm. our team. As far as he comes with Caddy, uh, they're both great players, and they're they're certainly contributing to the form that we've seen so far this year. But based off a couple of the kicks yesterday against Adelaide, oh, that, like that skew one, the skew out, one, oh. like it just has people Putrid. talking. Is is he like is he a hundred percent? And if he's not, uh, and he's producing kicks like that. Maybe just give him a week off and give somebody that is pushing for a selection in the best twenty-two a, a go against Brisbane. Uh, sorry, against the Bulldogs, yep. so that we can go in as close to a hundred percent as possible and really give the Bulldogs a good contest and hopefully get the points at the end of the fourth quarter. Hopefully, uh, I think yeah, you're probably right. Anthony Miles is probably the one who has to come in. Uh, for Prestia, I I haven't seen enough of the VFL this year to sort no. of make any judgments as to who's absolutely banging the door down. But every week when I see that team sheet, and I see that Miles is an emergency, I go really again. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose you look at the way it matches up, and you go okay. Before we wrap up our first edition here of Tiger Tragics, uh, a tip and your realistic tip. What do you think is going to happen on Saturday? Uh, my tip would be Richmond by twelve. Yep. My realistic tip will be the Bulldogs by about probably three goals. <sighs> that's, yeah. So that's the that's the that's what it's like being a Tiger tragic. Isn't yeah. it? I'm tipping Richmond by twenty five. Yep. And realistically, I'm tipping them to get within a kick. I think we I think we've got the game plan to match up with them, um, but I just think the Bulldogs have probably gone up that cog that they needed to. They were coming yep. off a yep. they were coming off a late training start because they had won the flag. They felt like going into this season they were about four weeks behind everyone else. They've got their legs going now. Yeah. Um I think uh, but that's it. I'm not I'm not gonna take a loss to the Bulldogs by a couple of kicks as 
um, you no. know, throw the, throw the, we're done, throw the towel, we're, no, we're all out, God get no, stuffed, no. the world, you know, we're going to finish bottom four. Yeah. You know, I think there's this, there's this feeling that from the greater wide world that what's going to, what's happened to Richmond here is what happened to, um, is what, what's going to happen to Richmond is what happened to North Melbourne last year. Yeah. Where they no. won their nine straight and they never, but they never beat anyone of, of any real significance, yeah. From there on, in, fell into the eight, and and then they've they've gone through this big period of transition. Yep. I think I think we're a little bit further ahead of that. I, just, I think so too. Yeah. So um, and that's and that's the optimist in me because we, we going into this season, we were expecting nothing. We just didn't know what to expect. It could have been anywhere. I was you know quietly sort of. I didn't think we were bottom four, but I thought no. we were. I thought we were anywhere between sort of six and twelve. Yeah, spot um, and given the how close the season is now playing out, we, mm. you look at those. Anyone can beat anyone on any day. Yeah, um, and it's winning those games like we've done so far against Melbourne and against Collingwood, where good teams win ugly, good teams find a way to win when they have to. Yeah, no, I agree with you one hundred percent on that, Mitch. And I think also, you know, we're five one now after six rounds. People really wouldn't have imagined that to have been the case if we God, had no. been say 3-3, three, three, it would have still been passable. But we're 5-1. You know, Even if we lose this week, we're still 5-2 five, five, two two. after seven rounds. And then we play Fremantle the week after that. And look, they can... They did get Melbourne on their day. Yeah. But... You know, if we play our best, we should take, we should win that. We go to six and three, then we play six and two, then we play the GWS Giants six and three after nine. Yep, you're halfway there. You're halfway there. Twelve wins should get to your finals. Yeah, well, I don't see a reason why we shouldn't be seven three after ten rounds. To be honest, is it Essen in the week after that? I, I believe think in the Dreamtime so, yeah. game. Yeah, and they show, they've shown that they you know they can turn it on, turn it off like yeah. like anyone. Well, that's the first edition of Tiger Tragics. I've been Mitchell Scott. You, I've been Carbianco. And uh, we look forward to your company each week. You can subscribe uh, to the podcast at, uh, at, uh, at, uh, at iTunes. It'll be up there today. Yep. Uh, you can also check it out through Twitter or on sen.com.au. We'll be pumping out a Twitter account as well. We'll have all those details for you next week. Uh, but Shebeki will be in the studio with us next week, the Shebekster, when he uh, gets out of the G. And uh, we look forward to your company each week. We'll have, uh, we'll have some more interaction. And we look forward to, j- to you joining in the conversation as well. Thanks a lot. Stone and revolve with the tiger